Chapter Twenty Six of The Precipice by Ivan Goncharov, translated by M. Bryant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. When Raisky returned to his room at daybreak and looked in the mirror, he hardly recognized himself. He felt chilly and sent Marina for a glass of wine, which he drank before he threw himself on his bed. Overcome by moral and physical exhaustion, he slept as if he had thrown himself into the arms of a friend, and had confided his trouble to him. Sleep did him the service of a friend, for it carried him far from Vera, from Malinovka, from the precipice, from the fantastic vision of last night. When the ringing of many bells awoke him, he lay for several minutes under the soothing influence of the physical rest which built a rampart between him and yesterday. There was no agony in his awakening moments, but soon memory revived and his face wore an expression more terrible than in the worst moments of yesterday. A pain different from yesterday's, a new devil, had hurled itself upon him. He seized one piece of clothing after another and dressed as hastily and nervously as Vera had done as she prepared to go to the precipice. He rang for Yegorka, from whom he learned that everybody except Vera, who was not well, had driven to mass. In wild agitation he dashed across to the old house. There was no response when he knocked at Vera's door. He opened it cautiously and stole in like a man with murderous intent, with horror imprinted on his features, and advanced on tiptoe, trembling, deadly pale, with swaying steps, as if he might fall at any minute. Vera lay on the divan, with her face turned away, her hair falling down almost to the floor, and her slipper-clad feet hardly covered by her grey skirt. She tried to turn round when she heard the noise of the opening door, but could not. He approached, knelt at her feet, and pressed his lips to the slipper she wore. Suddenly she turned and stared at him in astonishment. Is it comedy or romance, Boris Pavlovich? she asked brusquely, turned in annoyance and hid her foot under the skirt, which she straightened quickly. No, Vera tragedy he whispered in a lifeless voice and sat down on the chair near the divan the tone of his voice moved her to turn and look keenly at him and her eyes opened wide with astonishment she threw aside her shawl and rose she had divined in raisky's face the presence of the same deadly suffering that she herself endured what is your trouble are you unhappy she said, laying her hand on his shoulder. In the simple word and in the tone of her voice there were revealed the generous qualities of a woman, sympathy, selflessness, and love. Keenly touched by the kindness and tenderness in her voice, he looked at her with the same rapturous gratitude which she had worn on her face yesterday when in self-forgetfulness he had helped her down the precipice. She returned generosity with generosity, just as yesterday there had streamed from him a gleam of one of the highest qualities of the human mind. He was all the more in despair over what he had done, 
and wept hot tears. He hid his face in his hands like a man for whom all is lost. What have I done? I have insulted you, woman and sister. Do not make us both suffer, she said in a gentle, friendly tone. Spare me. You see how I am. He tried not to meet her eyes, and she again lay down on the divan. What a blow I dealt you, he whispered in horror. You see my punishment, Vera. Your blow gave me a minute's pain, and then I understood that it was not delivered with an indifferent hand that you loved me, and it became clear to me how you must have suffered yesterday. Don't justify my crime, Vera. A knife is a knife, and I aimed a knife at you. You brought me to myself. I was as if I slept, and you, grandmother, Marfinka, and the whole house I saw as if in a dream. What am I to do, Vera? Fly from here? In what a state of mind I should leave. Let me endure my penance here, and be reconciled, as far as is possible, with myself, with all that has happened here. Your imagination paints what was only a fault, as a crime. Remember your condition when you did it, your agitation. She gave him her hand and continued, I know now what one is capable of doing in the fever of emotion. She set herself to calm him in spite of her own weariness. You are good, Vera, and woman-like. Judge not with your brain, but with your heart. You are too severe with yourself. Another would have thought himself justified after all the jesting. You remember those letters? With whatever good intention of calming your agitation, of answering your jest with jests, it was malicious mockery. You suffered more from those letters than I did yesterday. Oh, dear, no! I have often laughed over them, especially when you asked for a cloak, a rug, and money for the exile. What money? What cloak? What exile? She exclaimed in astonishment. I don't understand. I myself had suspicions, he said, his face clearing a little. I could not believe that that was your idea. And in a few words he told her the contents of the two letters. Her lips turned white. Natasha and I wrote to you turn and turn about in the same handwriting, amusing little letters in which we tried to imitate yours. That is all. I didn't know anything about the other letters, she whispered, turning her face to the wall. Raisky strode up and down in thought, while Vera appeared to be resting exhausted by the conversation. Cousin, she said suddenly, I ask your help in a very important matter, and I know you will not refuse me. A glance at his face told her that there was nothing she could not ask of him. While I still have strength, I want to tell you the whole history of this year. Why should you do that? I will not, and I ought not to know. Do not disturb me, Boris. I can hardly breathe, and time is precious. I will tell you the whole story. And you must repeat it to our grandmother. I could not do it, she said. My tongue would not say the words. I would rather die. He looked at her with an expression of blank terror. But 
why should grandmother be told think of the consequences would it not be better to keep her in ignorance no the burden must be borne it is possible that grandmother and i will both die of it or we shall lose our senses but i will not deceive her she ought to have known it long ago but i hoped to be able to tell her another story and therefore was silent to tell her everything even of yesterday evening he asked in a low tone and the name also she nodded almost imperceptibly in assent then she made him sit down on the divan beside her and in low broken sentences told the story of her relations with mark when she had finished she wrapped herself shivering with cold in her shawl he rose from his seat both were silent each of them in terror she as she thought of her grandmother he as he thought of them both before him lay the prospect of having to deal tatiana markovna one thrust after another and that not in the heat of passion or in an access of blind revenge but in the consciousness of a most painful duty it might be as she said an important service but it was certainly a terrible commission when shall i tell her he asked as soon as possible for i shall suffer so long as i know she is in ignorance and now give me the eau de cologne from the dressing-table and leave me alone it would not do to tell grandmother to-day when the house is full of guests but to-morrow said raisky how shall i survive it but till to-morrow calm her by some means or other so that she has no suspicion and sends no one here she closed her eyes in a longing for impenetrable night for rest without an awakening she would like to have been turned into a thing of stone so that she could neither think nor feel when he left her he was weighed down with a greater weight of fear than that which he had brought to the interview vera rose as soon as he left her closed the door and lay down again she had found consolation and help in raisky's friendship his sympathy and devotion as a drowning man rises to the surface for a moment but as soon as he was gone she fell back deeper into the depths she told herself in despair that life was over before her there stretched the bare step there was no longer for her a family nor anything on which a woman's life depends she would have to stand before her aunt to look her in the eyes and to tell her how she had recompensed her love and care suddenly she heard steps and her aunt's voice pale and motionless as if she had lost the use of hands and feet she listened to the light tap at the door i will not get up i cannot she thought but when the knock was repeated she sprang up with a strength which astonished herself dried her eyes and went smiling to meet her aunt when tatiana markovna had heard from marfinka that vera was ill and would remain in her room all day she had come herself to inquire she glanced at vera and sat down on the divan 
this service has tired me so that i could hardly walk up the steps what's the matter with you vera she continued looking keenly at her i congratulate marvinka on her birthday said vera in the voice of a little girl who has learned her speech by heart she kissed her grandmother's hand and wondered how she had managed to bring the words over her lips i got wet feet yesterday and have a headache she tried to smile but there was no smile on her lips you must rub your feet with spirit remarked tatiana markovna who had noticed the strained voice and the unnatural smile and guessed a lack of frankness are you coming to be with us vera don't force yourself to do so and so make yourself worse she continued seeing that vera was incapable of answering vera was all the more frightened by her aunt's consideration for her her conscience stirred and she felt that tatiana markovna must already know all and that her confession would come too late she was on the point of falling on her breast and making her confession there and then but her strength failed her excuse me grandmother from dinner perhaps i will come over in the afternoon as you like i will send your dinner across thank you i'm already quite hungry said vera quickly without knowing what she said tatiana markovna kissed her and stroked her hair remarking casually that one of the maids should come and do her room as she might have a visitor tatiana markovna returned sadly to the house she was indeed politely attentive to her guests as she always was but raisky noticed immediately that something was wrong with her after her visit to vera she found it hard to restrain her emotion hardly touched the food did not even look round when petrushka smashed a pile of plates and more than once broke off in the middle of a sentence in the afternoon as the guests took coffee on the broad terrace in the mild september sunshine tatiana markovna moved among her guests as if she were hardly aware of them raisky wore a gloomy air and had eyes for no one but his aunt something is wrong with vera she whispered to him she is in trouble have you seen her no he said but his aunt looked at him as if she doubted what he said Polina karpovna had not come she had sent word that she was ill and the messenger brought flowers and plants for marfinka in order to explain the scene of the day before and to find out whether she had guessed anything Raisky had paid a visit in the morning to Polina Karpovna. She received him with a pretense of being offended, but with hardly disguised satisfaction. His excuse was that he had dined with friends that night and had had a glass too much. He begged for forgiveness, which was accorded with a smile, all which did not prevent Polina Karpovna from recounting to all her acquaintance her love scene. Tushin came to dinner and brought Marfinka a lovely pony to ride. He asked for Vera and was plainly disturbed when he heard of the indisposition which prevented her from coming to dinner. Tatiana Markovna observed him, wondering why Vera's absence had such a remarkable effect on him, though this had often been the case before without exciting any surprise on her part. 
she could not keep out of her head anxiety as to what change had come over vera since yesterday evening she had had a little quarrel with tit nikonitch and had scolded him for having brought marfinka the sevres mirror afterwards she was closeted with him for a quarter of an hour in her sitting-room and he emerged from the interview looking serious he shifted his foot less and even when he was talking to ladies his serious inquiring glance would wander to raisky or tushin up till this time tatiana markovna had been so gay her one anxiety and at the moment the only one perhaps had been the celebration of vera's name-day a fortnight ahead she would have liked to have celebrated it with the same magnificence as marfinka's birthday although vera had roundly declared that on that day she meant to go on a visit to anna ivanovna tushin or to her friend natasha but how tatiana markovna had changed since mass as she talked with her guests she was thinking only of vera and gave absent-minded answers the excuse of a cold had not deceived her and as she had touched vera's brow on leaving her she had realized that a cold could be nothing but a pretext she remembered that vera and Dreisky had vanished in the afternoon and that neither had appeared at supper she was constantly watching Dreisky, who sought to avoid her glance thereby only arousing her suspicions the more then vera herself unexpectedly appeared amongst the guests wearing a warm mantilla over her light dress and a wrap round her throat raisky was so astonished that he looked at her as if she were an apparition a few hours ago she had been almost too exhausted to speak and now here she was in person he wondered where women found their strength vera went round speaking to the guests looked at marfinka's presence and ate to quench her thirst as she said a slice of watermelon tatiana markovna was to some extent relieved to see vera but it disturbed her to notice that raisky's face had changed for the first time in her life she cursed her guests they were just sitting down to cards then there would be tea and then supper and vikentiev was not going until tomorrow morning End of chapter 26